All right. Well, welcome to um, our back-to-school service. I know this is a little different and a little odd. I know that there's a lot of um, back and forth when it comes to what back-to-school looks like this year. And uh, it's kind of weird to think that it's already time to send kids back to school. Others of you are probably saying, no, send them get them out of my house. We've been home since March and uh, you're ready to get everything back to normal. We love at our house, we love the schedule of uh, fall and and the schedule of school and what that means and what that does. I actually distinctly remember uh, finding out that Warren schools were uh, letting out because of the COVID pandemic. We were, the boys and I were at the house and Jessica was up here with a lot of ladies at uh, Kenley, I call her still Kenley Files, it's not, Kenley West's uh, baby shower. And, uh, and they were all up here in the, in the parlor room uh, doing whatever you girls do at a baby shower. I'm not quite sure what that is. Uh, I just like the snacks that come back to my house. And so uh, they were doing whatever they were doing. And Jessica called me and said, uh, th- we just got word that Warren School is, uh, is not coming back this next week. They're going to let out in a week early for spring break. Uh, and I was like, awesome, they get a two-week spring break. And uh, that's pretty much the extent that I thought was going to happen. Uh, and then the ladies in that room said, we got to do something. we got to send uh, some kids home, some backpacks home with some food uh, because there are going to be kids that can't eat. And so some of the ladies in that room uh, put a couple hundred dollars together, and I got the nod from the church to go put a couple more hundred dollars with it. And, and Jess and I went, and I think we bought every can of ravioli in this town uh, and, and brought it all back up to the school to to give it to the kids who needed it. Uh, And then it's just kind of been one thing after the other from there, right? Uh, And and I feel like sometimes when we think about everything that's gone on in 2020 already, we just kind of have this mindset of, well, what else could happen, right? I mean, we've already gone through uh, uh, the, the uh, I guess, five months or six months of COVID. Uh, we've had the threat of murder hornets. And right now, if you don't know, there's two tropical storms going to the Gulf at the same time. And we just think, why not, right? Uh, I, I, somebody said something online this last week about, I can't wait to see what the season finale of 2020 is gonna be because it just, we don't know what's coming next. It just seems like it's everything on top of each other. And, and I thought, man, have you, have you even stopped to think about how difficult this must be for our kids? All right, we're, taking, we're talking about back to school and kind of sending them back to uh, a little bit of a new normal and a new environment. And, and some of them are staying home and doing virtual school and some of them are going back and some of them are, their parents are choosing to do, to do homeschool. And, and I, I just thought, man, our kids have experienced something in their life that none of us have experienced in ours. And we th- like to think of ourselves as wise and put together and all that good stuff. But imagine how weird it's been even for the youngest of our kiddos to, to know that, that one day they get to hang out and spend time with their friends. The next day, they're not allowed to go get a haircut. One day they get to go spend uh, time playing ball and doing whatever. And the next day they have to wear face masks every day. I, it's an incredible thought to think about, uh, you know, these five, six, seven, eight-year-old kiddos who, who their whole world is completely different. As adults, we learn and adapt and we just kind of go with it. But for kids, they just kind of get drugged along through sometimes. And now... We're, we're, we're entering a brand new phase. Uh, this fall presents its whole new list of uh, opportunities as well as a fall, whole new list of uh, difficulties. And, and let me just say, I'm just gonna say this publicly because I believe this is important. Whatever decision, whatever decision you have made for your family when it comes to school, it's the right decision, okay? It's the right one because your responsibility as parents 
is to make the best decision for your family. So whether you're sending them back or you're gonna decide to do virtual school at home or you're deciding to, to jump off into homeschool, uh, then that decision is right. It's your decision to make. And we as a church want to stand with you and behind you and support you and pray for you. And so this service is gonna feel a little different. Uh, I'm going to preach an abbreviated, if you can believe that, uh, message, and then, uh, and then we're going to have some prayer time at the end, uh, and then we're going to kind of just uh, let that be for today. I, I, I believe that uh, what we're going to talk about today has incredible uh, correlation to our families and our parents and our kids and our administrators and our teachers and everything that's going to happen over the next couple of days. And so the reality is, the reality is that things are different, right? We all know that, we all live that, we all understand that. And some things are very hard. School and teaching and all those decisions fall into this category. So I wanna look at a passage of scripture that's a reminder of what our focus should be on. And if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Lamentations chapter three. And for those of you who know what Lamentations is, you go, great, what an uplifting sermon this morning. We're gonna talk about a lament. If you don't know what a lament is, the, the official definition of a lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And that's exactly what, well, we came to church to be encouraged today, right? We're going to look at a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, but I promise if you'll just stay with this, then you'll understand how pertinent this is and how, uh, how really good this is. If you don't know this, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. The prophet Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. This is his lament. And, uh, and they're actually kind of one behind the other in the Bible. It's Jeremiah, then Lamentations. And then uh, it's only five chapters long. It's not very long. It's a reflection of the destruction of Jerusalem and the reality of the exile of the people of God. And if you don't know this, this is really incredible. The, 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 the way Lamentations is written, it is a poem. It's a poem written in uh, triads, and each of those triads are uh, begin with the first or the consecutive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. If you guys know about Psalm 119, Psalm 119 does the same thing, uh, but but Lamentations does all of it, and Lamentations chapter three goes through all of it as well. It's even more uh, technically poetic. It's just really incredible when you get to the bones of all that. If you don't know all that stuff, then you need to research this this week uh, and just and see the 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 beauty that. That is God's word and how it's written. Um, so let me give you a little background of what's going on in Jeremiah's world, okay? Uh, if you read both Jeremiah and Lamentations back to back, you're going to get a, a bigger, broader stroke of what's going on. The northern kingdom of Israel has been underneath the Assyrian rule for about 200 years, okay? So the northern kingdom has been, uh, they've not been a kingdom in a long time. The Assyrians came in and took them over. And in a matter of fact, the southern kingdom is not listening, right? They're just not paying attention. Essentially, Jeremiah's job through the book of Jeremiah is to get the southern kingdom of Judah to, to kind of wake up and to realize what's going on and saying, he's basically saying over and over, guys, we're next, See what happened to the north? If we don't get it together, we are next, right? And so um, the Babylonians are coming. As a matter of fact, they have already taken over the Assyrians. And so the Babylonians are coming. This is Nebuchadnezzar, right? He's coming in. He's taken over. He's the next major power. And the people in the south just aren't listening. They're just, they're just pretty, oh, we're not, nothing's going to ever happen. As a matter of fact, if you remember your uh, Old Testament history, 
At, at one point when the Assyrians took over the north, uh, they tried to come into the south. They tried to come down to Jerusalem uh, and the king of Assyria, his name was Sennacherib. And I know that's what you all want to name your firstborn. Uh, Sennacherib got all the way to the walls of Jerusalem, but could not take the city. Uh, and, and God showed up and did something incredible. He ki- killed about 185,000 men all in one night. It's just, we can read through Old Testament uh, history to know all that. And, and Sennacherib did the smart thing. He turned around and went back north, right? He did not ever take anything in the south. A couple of small cities, but then he left them alone and went back up north. And so Jeremiah chapter one gives us the calling of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was just a, a, a young man when it happened. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, matter of fact, says, before I formed you in the womb, this is God talking. He said, I knew you. Before I formed you, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Just speak to purpose in our life before we were ever formed. God has a purpose for us. And Jeremiah responds in verse six of chapter one saying, I don't even know how to speak and I am too young. And in verse seven, God says, don't say that. Don't say that. I will be with you and I will rescue you. Chapter three of Jeremiah is his appeal. He jumps right into it going, okay, listen, I need, we need to repent. We need to get our life right, get our act together. Chapter 12 is God's response to kind of uproot uh, the nation. And he says, I will bring you back. And this is all a foreshadowing of the exile and the return. And then in chapter 20 of Jeremiah, he is beaten and put in stocks because of what he is saying. Nobody wanted to say it. Nobody wanted to listen to it. And they wanted him to stop saying it. Jeremiah over and over again saying, we got to get our stuff. We got to do it right. We got to live better. We got to repent. We got to do what God wants. And finally, the people just say, forget it. Just put him in jail and beat him until he, he shuts up, right? And a matter of fact, in, in, in this passage of scripture, he was called a terror on every side. And when I read that, I immediately think of the preschool program, right? Just a terror on every side. And his response to that was, this is so fantastic. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is like in my heart a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. What a great response about speaking the truth of God's word. And then in chapter 25 of Jeremiah, the exile judgment from God and the 70 year prophecy of how long it's gonna last. And at this moment, this is when the Babylonians come. This is when they come down south and King Nebuchadnezzar does what King Sennacherib could not do. And he takes Jerusalem. This is so far beyond the Israelites kind of ability to understand. They always just thought we're God's chosen people. They are. They always just thought, God's gonna just take care of us. He will. And they really thought we can do whatever we want and God will never let Jerusalem fall. And then Nebuchadnezzar comes and he completely takes over, right? We know this, the nation of Judah is no more. The city of Jerusalem has fallen and God's people are officially in exile. But the Babylonians are smart, because if you come into a country, here's, the, here's the, the, uh, the normal motive of going in. You go in, you kick everybody out, you disperse them throughout your nation so they're not all together and they can't kind of revolt back. And you just take over their land, take over their houses, take over all their stuff. You get like a, it's a barn sale. You just get to get in whatever you want. But the Babylonians were smart. If you kick everybody out, who's gonna do all the work? Who's gonna serve you? And so what the Babylonians would do is they would come in, they'd take over and they'd allow some people to stay, but they were the poor people. 
They were people who have little influence. They weren't the leaders. They weren't the rich people. They kicked all those people out because they took their stuff. But if you were poor and if you were uninfluential, then, then you got to stay because you got to stay to be their servants. They were like, listen, we're going to come in and take over, but we're not going to do any work. You're going to do it for us, right? They're pretty smart. And so in all of this, Jeremiah stayed. He stayed with a people who have been pushed out and gone and he has no idea where everybody else is. And he's got this new ruling power over Jerusalem. Jeremiah decided to stay when his whole world, when everything was turned upside down, when there were no guarantees, where nothing was like it was before, Jeremiah stayed. Teachers and administrators, you've chosen to stay. You've chosen to walk through something that you've never walked through before. Parents who are doing homeschool and, and school from home, you've chosen to do what's best for you and you've chosen to do something that's brand new and uncertain. And I believe this lament that we're about to read speaks directly to our current situation. In this uncertain and un, unsure and unlike anything before time, Jeremiah writes Lamentations. And interesting, a lot of people believe that the prophet Elijah was the recipient of this letter, that he think that he wrote it to Elijah to kind of let him know what's going on and just to kind of just a grieving letter to him. Uh, make no mistake, this is raw and it is emotional and he is grieving what is going on. Look at uh, Lamentations chapter three, one of my favorite passages of scripture. And we're gonna read a lot of scripture today. I've got it all on the screens. You should be able to see that here and at home. Uh, but if you've got your Bible, there's gonna be some things in there you're gonna wanna underline and, and highlight and all that good stuff. So let's just start at the very beginning. Uh, chapter three, verse one. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He's driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He's made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He's besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He's made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He's walled me in so I cannot escape. He's weighed me down with chains. Even when I call or cry out for help, he shuts out my prayer. Verse 12, skip down to that. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He's pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. This guy is struggling, right? Everything and everyone is against him. How does he lead when there's no one there to lead? How does he have hope when all hope seems gone? How does anything seem normal again? Seems familiar to us, right? He's surrounded with hardship. He's walled me in. He's weighted me down. Some of y'all feel like you've been put in this impossible decision. Teachers and administrators are fighting to keep kids as safe and as healthy as they can. All the while, parents are trying to figure out common core math. And how in the world they're going to teach something that they don't understand themselves, right? And they're trying to balance schools and work schedules and family schedules and, and, and all of the matter. And trying to balance what's best for their own kids. They feel walled in. And the decisions are heavy. And the responsibilities are heavy. Keep reading. Let's go jump down to verse 17. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is, so I say my splendor is gone and all that I have and all I've hoped for from the Lord. 
My splendor is gone. That, that, that phrase literally translates, my victory is gone and my hope is dead. If you were to read that in the original language, my victory is gone and my hope is dead. Have you felt that way? You're worn out and you're tired and you're stressed and you're anxious and you're afraid of whatever decision you're making is somehow the wrong decisions. I believe that a lot of us feel like Jeremiah. You're swamped and you're stretched. And for many of us, God feels far away, right? Whenever we get in situations like this and we feel like we're, we're kind of walled in and we're weighted down, those are the verbs that he used, the, that we're they're walled, or I guess those are adjectives, walled in and weighted down. We feel like God is, is a thousand miles away. We're, we're almost in our own personal exile, right? Our victory is gone and our hope is dead and things are hard and it may never go back to what it was before. There is no semblance of normal in our life. After that verse 18, my splendor is gone and all that I'd hoped for from the Lord. There's a pause. And if you read this, the psalm, there's, you know, there's, in psalms, there's these selah moments. This is not written into it, but in the language as you read it, because this is an oral tradition, as you read it, they would just pause and just kind of let that moment sink in. All that I'd hoped for from the Lord is gone. It's taken it in. You can hear the defeat. In verse 19 and 20 says this, I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. I remember this, I feel this, this is personal. I well remember, it's fresh, it's raw. That phrase, my soul is downcast within me, if you literally translate that, it's my soul bows down. Talk about defeat. Talk about stress and hopelessness. And then there's another pause. My soul bows down. Some of us, some of us who are not even dealing with going back to school, some of us who are not even dealing with kids or, or you know, you've, you've had your kids grown and gone and you're maybe even an empty nester or maybe you've got kiddos who are in college and, and you're just glad that they're doing something and not staying at home with you. Some of us still feel these emotions, right? Because life sometimes comes at us from so many different directions and we don't know what's up and we don't know what's next. And sometimes our marriages are not what they're supposed to be. And sometimes our finances are not what they're supposed to be. And sometimes our jobs are so kind of question mark. We've had a lot of folks, listen, maybe not even here, but even abroad, we got people who are, who are all out whose, whose lives have been radically changed and whose careers have had to be altered because of all this stuff that's going on. And we just feel like it's never ending. Like there's not a light at the end of the tunnel. And if there is, it may be a train that's gonna run over us, right? We just don't know what's next. And this, this feeling of my soul bows down is just this, almost this, this hopelessness that we feel. We've talked about uh, COVID. We haven't really talked about it since we've been in here. And when we were out in the, in the parking lot during drive-in church, you guys know that we talked about three or four weeks about the realities of this and what it seems to be doing. But, but over the summer, it just kind of, there's, there's, there's two groups. One of us feel like it's just gotten a little better and we can just, we're just gonna do whatever we wanna do and we're gonna go wherever we wanna go and we're just gonna kind of wing it. And the other group feels like they're so restricted and they can't leave their house. And, and, and one group is saying about the other one, I can't believe they're living like that. And the other group is saying about the other one, I can't can't believe they're living like that, right? We have all these things and we just don't, nothing's normal. And when all that comes crashing in on us, it just feels like our soul is broken. 
And there's this pause. And then read verse 21. This is where everything changes. Yet, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to those who seek him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Church, listen, if you don't get anything this morning, you listen to this. When we bow down, God lifts up. When we are at the end of our rope, we realize that he's the one holding our rope. When we call to mind, your Bible may say, when I recall, right? That word means return. When I return, when I get out of my head, when I get out of my emotion, when I come back to what God has for me, when I repent and I seek his face, when I return to him, I'm reminded I'm reminded, look what he says, because of his great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Listen, when this pandemic, some of you are witnessing firsthand the faithfulness of God. You, your family is stronger than it's ever been. Your faith is deeper than it's ever been. Your trust is at an all-time high with God. Great is his faithfulness. But some of us, some of us are struggling. Some of us feel like we've been so walled in and weighted down that we are, our soul is downcast within us. Our souls have bowed down and, and we can't figure out what's next. We're scared and we're anxious and our, our marriages are, are struggling. Our kids seem like they're just, they're just not settled. We're nervous if we're honest, if we're making right decisions, and we're even more honest, we're, we're more nervous if there even is a right decision. Listen and, and hear this. This is important. I think this is one of the only points I've got on the screen this morning. It says this, your situation does not negate God's faithfulness. Your situation does not negate God's faithfulness. No matter what we are faced with, no matter what difficulty lies before us, no matter what decision is in our face, your situation does not take away God's faithfulness. And too often we want to, we want to overshadow the former or the latter with the former. We want to overshadow God's faithfulness with our situation. Well, he doesn't know. This is so unique. I'm, I'm, nobody's ever faced anything like this before. Jeremiah, who wrote this thousands of years ago, is going, no, trust me, I know how you feel. I know how hard life can be. I know how it feels to be downcast. I know what it feels like to be weighted. I know what it feels like to be walled in. But I'm reminded and, and this is where everything changes. This is where our hope is, is seated. Look back at verse 24. It says, the Lord is our portion. I will wait for him. Too many of us are rushing him, right? I've heard somebody say before that God is never early, right? God's never early, but he sure misses a few good chances to, or ne God's never late, that's it. God's never late, but he sure misses a few good chances to be early, right? That's what we want him to be. We want him to be early. We want him to be on our timetable. We want him to say, listen, God, this is what's going on in my life, and I need you to take care of it right now. But what does Jeremiah say? The Lord is our portion. I mean, he's everything that we need. He is enough, man. The Lord is enough. 
I'll wait for him. I will wait for him. Verse 25 says, he is good to the ones who seek him. Church, seek him. Wait for him. Verse 26 gives us a qualifier, and I love it, that we wait quietly. That's pretty hard to do, isn't it? <laughs> to wait quietly. I'm not a very patient person. I'm not a very quiet person when I'm impatient. I will, I've had this conversation with my kids this week in the vehicle at a four-way stop in Warren, which apparently no one knows how to do. Nobody knows how to do a four-way stop and warn, except for Matt Overall, I guess. I'm the only one who knows how to do it. And if you throw a cop at the four-way stop, everybody just stands there. It's like a, it's like a standoff. Everybody's just waiting to see what's going to happen next. And, and I'm in the car, and I'm not very patient, and I'm not very quiet, and I'm saying things like, idiot, drive, idiot, it's your turn, go. And my kids are looking at me like, thanks, pop. Thanks for the example. And I had to have a conversation. We're all, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, son, even me, right? I'm not patient and I'm not quiet. And we had to talk about what it means to love people, even though they're idiots. And even though you are impatient and you're ready to go somewhere, I don't wait quietly. Some of you don't wait quietly either. Some of you are consistently seeking and consistently nagging away at God. Why haven't you answered this? I don't understand what's going on. God, I need you to give me the answer. And there's nothing wrong with asking, but there's something magical about waiting quietly. God, you know what I need. God, I've already asked and I will wait for your answer. That's an incredible faith. That, that's, that's faith that says, God, you are enough, and I'll wait. Jeremiah is waiting here. I preached this summer. Matter of fact, when we were in our drive-in church services over Psalm 46 about be still and know that I am God. I know you guys remember every sermon I've ever preached, but it just means be still just means to let go and be quiet. Let go and be quiet. There's just something incredible about knowing that he's in control, knowing that he loves us, knowing that he is for us and not against us. And that allows us just to sit quietly and wait. Skip over to verse 37 in uh, chapter three of Lamentations. It says this, who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should any living man complain when punished for his sin? Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. I love this. Is, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good things and bad things happen, right? And, and that always takes me right back to Job. Job says we can't accept the good from God and not accept the bad, right? This is from, this is from the same God. Both good and bad happen. And he says, why should anyone complain? Why should anybody have anything to say? Sometimes life is hard. It's not ever promised to be easy. Sometimes we don't know what's next and sometimes we can't see the end game. But once we stop making excuses for our inability, we start relying on his ability and we see exactly what God can and will do through the situations of our life. When we stop making excuses God, I can't do this. I don't know what to do next, so I'm just not going to do anything. We stop making those excuses and we start relying on his ability. Then we see, okay, God, well, I can't wait to see what you're going to do through this. 
I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I can't wait to see what's going to, listen, when we were, listen, I've, I've spent months at least two, if not three months praying through what are we gonna do in the fall? How are we gonna work this? What are we gonna do? We can't bring all these kids back in there if it's not safe, so we gotta figure something out. And then when God brought Defined to our lap, it was just incredible. God just glued it all together. And there's been 258 people who's registered for this, over 80, 89 families, as a matter of fact. Uh, 89 families and 258 or 59 people have registered for a Bible study that's gonna happen online. Listen, when I started, stopped looking at our inability and I started looking at what God could do through this situation. He, he did something that I never, ever expected us. Do you know how many people we have on a normal Wednesday night? Normal Wednesday night, we have about 100 kids in here and 100 kids down there. We have about 35 to 40 people in the Bible study class. We have normally around 240, 250 people here. You know how many people signed up? About 250. God said, don't worry about it. We'll still do this. We'll still do what I am going to have done. Listen, we've got people from Warren to Hermitage to Scratch Out to Goat Neck to Ignorant Ben to Benton. I don't know if that's Ignorant Benton or not. I, there's just, we got people all over the place who are participating in this Bible study because why? Because I, I just said, okay, God, we can't do what we normally do. I need you to do something else. And God said, okay, how about this? And our church, listen, our leadership, I'm so proud of our leadership. I'm so proud of the men who serve our, as our deacons who said, we'll do this for free. We'll cover the cost. We'll make it happen. And for our volunteers who have taught, listen, if, if, you, if you wanna know how difficult it is to preach to a camera or teach to a camera, then, then call those IBC kids workers who stressed over this. I, I heard one of them went outside for an hour and a half and came back in and said she had her intro done. And her husband was like, what have you been doing for an hour and a half? And she's like, I'm trying to film a 15-minute lesson. Leave me alone, right? I had, I had one lady who, when I got hers, I'm not going to say her name out loud. I had four different videos I had to splice together to put it into one, okay? I had, I had some teachers that were just like, they were stressed out. My wife, my poor wife, I love her so much. She, she would record and stop it and make a face and then record and stop it and make a face. And she, she got through all of hers. I, I did, I just, listen, if you're a teenage boy or you're an adult, you're just going to have to go through it because I just went. I never, I never stopped. Once I checked up, I I, I may have recorded the hardest part of mine were the announcements, the little intro announcement. I recorded that 15 times. When it's time to start teaching, I was like, listen, we're just going to go with whatever comes out of my mouth. We're going, right? And, but here's the deal. We've got people who love our church and love you and your kids and your grandkids enough to say, listen, we're going we're gonna to provide something for you. When we stopped looking at our inability, God took that and said, I will blow your minds. Great is his faithfulness. Here's my last thought and I'm going to be done and then we're going to have a time of prayer. Did you notice the last phrase in verse 40? Let us return to the Lord. That word return in Hebrew is the word shuv. It's spelt kind of different, but that's how you pronounce it, shuv. It's the same word that Jeremiah used in verse 21. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. That call to mind is shuv. It's the same word as return. When I return to you, I have hope. Let's return to the Lord. There's power in the return, church. There is hope in 
the return when our whole world is turned upside down and we don't know what to do next and we don't know uh, what, what tomorrow holds and nothing seems like it is before. We have to remember all that he's done for us. We have to remember his faithfulness. We have to remember his goodness. We have to remember that he is with us. We return to him. Here's what we're going to do to close out this morning. It's a little different. And uh, after this, we'll have a little bit of a invitation because I believe it's important. But this is just as much a part of the message as my preaching. I've got four men who have um, volunteered to come and pray for specific areas of our uh, community, whether it's the back to school uh, administrators, uh, teachers, students, and parents. And so as a church, I just want us to spend a few moments in prayer. I want us to spend a few moments praying specifically for these individuals, these kids, these, these parents, and these teachers as they, as they jump into tomorrow. I know teachers have already been back. They're, they've been preparing for at least a couple weeks now. But everything starts fresh tomorrow. And so we as a church want to commit to be a part of this process with them and beside them. And so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Jeff McGahey if Jeff will come up here. Uh, and he is going to pray for our administration, uh, for our superintendents, and for our principals and vice principals, for everybody who works in the admin building. If you'll pray us through this, will you pray with us? Lord, we want to thank you for, uh, thank you for this message today, Lord, and thank you for the chance to come to you in prayer. We just want to lift up our administrators, our, our superintendents, our, our uh, principals, and, and the workers that, that make the, the work of the school happen, Lord. Um, they've been under a lot of stress. We just know that you can, you can ease their stress. You can give them strength. You can protect them, Lord. And just pray that you continue to watch over them, Lord. We're asking for you to do this, Lord, but we're going to wait for you to, to move. You have the power, and you can do anything in, in, in this world and in, after this world, Lord. We just pray that you would just do an amazing thing and show your power to a lost world. We just pray for everything you've done in your name. Thank you, Jeff. All right, uh, Keith Curry, will you come up and pray for our teachers, Keith? Our teachers are kind of faced with this brand new world of uh, cleaning and disinfecting and social distancing and then trying to wrangle all that in with kiddos. So let's pray for our teachers. Father, our verse of the week in Proverbs says, if we'll start a child off in the way they should go, that even when they get old, they will not turn from it. And we know this starts in the home, Father, but unfortunately, some of this burden has been laid at our teachers' feet. And we just pray for our teachers, and we pray that uh, they will have strength and courage and patience to deal with what they have to deal with on a daily basis. And, Father, they, 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 need, your, they need your strength, and we just pray that they will turn to you uh, in their need. And, and Father, we just... Uh, lift them up to you and and we know in our world today that's a that's a very very difficult thing it's it's not like it used to be with teachers father and kids and just just pray that they will uh that you'll strengthen them and and just give them courage to continue because we need them father and we just we just uh turn our teachers over over to you and it's in your name we pray amen thanks keith uh gary thornton will you come up and pray for our students gary's uh, taught our junior high boys here for as long as I've been here. Uh, we got lots of students who are going in person, going virtual school, and who are homeschooling. So, Gary, will you pray for us, brother? 
Dear Heavenly Father, we lift up our students to you today, Lord. We just ask that you just give them the strength that they need if they start back to school during this difficult time, Lord. Lord, I pray that they'll look to you and understand that you're in control, Lord, that you're bigger than any of this that's going on around us and in our world, Lord. And I just pray that they can just understand that they can put their trust and their faith in you during these times and look to you as their rock. Lord, I thank you for the safety measures and guidelines that have been in place. I pray that they will understand the importance of them and apply them as they start back to school, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you just put a hedge of protection around our schools and around our students. Lord, we love you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Thanks, Gary. And Dennis Young, Dino has taught our senior high boys uh, for, for as long as I've been here and a lot longer than that. Uh, Dino's going to pray for our parents, parents who are sending their kiddos to school, maybe doing it at home or even homeschooling. Father, thank you that you uh, allow us to come to your throne of grace with our prayers. And Father, um, your word teaches us, as in the book of Deuteronomy, that we're supposed to teach our children and our children's children your word. I pray, Father, for the parents of the kids that are going to school. I pray that you would give them peace about the decision they've made. And Father, I pray that you would help them uh, uh, be diligent to pray for our schools and the situations that we're in. And Father, I also pray for the parents who've decided to homeschool or go the virtual route. I pray that you would uh, help them uh, uh, be patient with their children as they go through this process and I just pray Father that we as a, a church would be uh, humbly bowed before your throne for all of our kids and parents and grandparents and that we would uh, lift our children up to you and pray Father that you would uh, use all of us to grow up uh, kids to be godly men and women in Jesus name. Thanks, Dino. All right, church, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask if you'll uh, stand with us, and um, worship band's just going to play a little hymn of invitation. I know the day's been a little different. If you are a teacher or an administrator or if you are a student or a parent, then, then this is an opportunity for you to know that you are prayed for. If you are here this morning and you just feel like you've been in your own personal exile, maybe you feel the heaviness of this and you know that uh, that God is good and God is faithful, but you just may not have felt that, then I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. This is, this is an opportunity for you to respond to whatever God's doing in your heart. Maybe something that we read this morning or something that I talked about just kind of stirred in you and you just said, you know what, I need, to, I need to spend some time in prayer with God about this situation or about whatever's in my heart, whatever I feel walled in on. Or even if you want to come talk to me, I'm always here. I'm always happy to do that. This is an opportunity for you to just to take a second and just to pray and to, to seek his face. Don't miss this through the routine of invitation. There's nothing about it that's routine. Let's pray together. If you need to come forward, you can, but uh, this is your opportunity to respond to what God's doing in your own heart. Father, we love you and we thank you for today and the truth of your word and how incredibly it is still very pertinent and applicable to our own life and God, what was written thousands of years ago. We still feel every bit of it. And Father, as we move forward in 
God, we got folks that are all into the spectrum here this morning, some who are, who are employed by the school district or maybe uh, teachers or administrators. God, we got kiddos here who are, who are uh, ready or anxious or are not even wanting to go back. We've got parents who are on, on all ends of the spectrum. God, we, we just collectively say we need you. And then there's folks here who are, who are watching online and who are present this morning who, who you know what, they, they may not be dealing with school things, but they're still dealing with heavy things. They may not be dealing with decisions about uh, virtual school or in-person school, but they are dealing with decisions about uh, their future in the next few months and what uh, is right and appropriate and God-honoring. And God, we know that you can take all of these situations and you can rule those. God, you can... You can show your glory through those. And that's what we're asking this morning. So if there's somebody here that just needs somebody to pray with them, God, I pray that they would be bold enough to step out and be happy to do that. But God, for the next few moments, we just want to, we just want to focus in on what you are speaking to us. God, whatever that moment of anxiety is, whatever that moment of fear that has grown and grown in the pit of our stomach. God, we just want to give it over to you this morning and we will wait on you. Father, that passage of scripture that you are our portion, you are enough, we'll wait for you. As everybody's heads down and eyes are closed, we're just going to have the strings playing over the top of us. We don't have to sing anything. This is your moment. Stay focused in on what, who God is for you and what he wants from you. If you need me, you come. I'd be happy to talk to you. If you just need to pray where you are, you pray where you are. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love and your grace and how good you are to us. And Father, when we, when we feel the way Jeremiah felt, when we feel the raw emotion of uncertainty and what's next, God, I pray that we can come back to these passages, these few verses that we read at the end where our hope is in you and everything changes when we return back to that thought. God, I pray for the next few days and for the next few weeks as we begin to figure out the new normal and how school is going to work and operate and the schedules and the, the back and the forth. God, I just I pray that you would do something incredible. God, that, that, that through all of it, our focus is on you and on your faithfulness and your goodness. And Father, that that when that fear begins to well up inside of us, we were, we were just reminded that we are to return to you. Not to be dragged away by, by our thoughts or by our emotions, but God, to, to stay rooted in who you are and what you say. I thank you for this morning and the time that we've had to be in your word together and in your, in your worship together. God, I would just pray that, uh, that you're honored by by all things that's happened this year more than but God, especially by these last few moments where we have just kind of surrendered some things to you. God, we love you and we thank you for loving us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.